I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end inside. song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. What are you willing to give up in order to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? How much money would you be willing to give up? What about if it cost you your family? What if it costs you your own safety or maybe some of these privileges that you, you know, do enjoy in this life? Or what if it actually costs you your life itself? Well, see, all of these things actually Jesus brings up whenever he spoke of the cost of following him. Now, we're mainly going to be in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through, 20, through sorry, 25 through 35. Uh, that's where we're mainly going to be. But when you start in verse 25, you find out that there's this large crowd of people that's following him. Well, I think it's important that we back up and we start to see, okay, so what, what happened before that conversation? Because that conversation is really at the heart of it. But honestly, I think that the cost of, of being a disciple uh, goes back into some of these other uh, verses in this same chapter. You know, you might look in your Bible and you might find, uh, just like mine, I see that there's a heading above verse 25. That says the cost of being a disciple. Well, if you back up, I think that we're still talking about the same types of things. So let's get this more complete conversation. And let's see what Jesus says about the price of following him. Let's back up to verse 7. Let's go through verses 7 through 11. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast... Do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give up, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here in this parable, he's, he's teaching them something. You know, he's telling them to take the lowest place. Now, you know, obviously, if we quite literally fulfill this parable and kind of act this parable out in real life, uh, then, you know, what ends up happening is we might end up making a scene. So, you know, this is one of those that he's telling this parable in order to teach you a lesson. And the lesson is to take the lowest place. The lesson is to be humble. 
And now we don't need to do these things and follow this parable so that we will be honored, so that we will be uh, recognized in those, because then what you've done is you reverse this whole parable. So we need to take these things and understand what Jesus is saying. He's telling us to take the lowest place. And Jesus himself demonstrated this time and time again. One that definitely comes to my mind is at the end of his life. Whenever, if you remember there, the last Passover meal, we oftentimes call it the last supper. And it was the, the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. Do you remember what happened? They were all about to start their eating. And then they you know, realized nobody had washed anybody else's feet. That's because a servant is the one who usually did that during the, the time of Jesus. But what Jesus did is he took the place of a servant and he washed the feet of all of his disciples. He was taking the lowest place to teach them the lesson. He literally acted out what we see in this parable. But Jesus continues on and he has a lot more to say in this chapter. Verses 12 through 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Well, you know, in this, in this kind of parable, if you will, Jesus is talking about these blessings that come from God. You know, we, we talked about bless, blessings last week. And, you know, the blessings that come from God, they're not always... Um, going to be counted the same way that we count things on earth. You know, that's what he's, he's getting them to realize right here, is he's saying that whenever you're going to throw this big banquet, a big party and all, uh, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with inviting your friends and being around your own friends. But Jesus says that's not really the, the purpose behind all this, and this is not what the kingdom of God is going to be looking like. The kingdom of God invites those people who can never repay with any type of, you know, material gain at all. That's what God has done for each and every one of us. God has invited us all, even though there's no way we can repay him. There's nothing we can do to repay God for the things that he's done. But we see that right here that God knows these things. God loves us. He cares for us. And you see the words once again in verse 14. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See, the blessings of God are different. The, the way that God blesses us, the, the way that God repays us is going to look different than maybe how people on earth would count things. And the blessings of God is, is something that Jesus is going to continue to, to address in the next few verses as well. So when we look at verses 15 through 20, now we're going to see it's, it's actually somebody else from the crowd who speaks a very, you know, good statement. I mean, he, the statement he says is, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's true. That person will be blessed. But notice how Jesus responds to that. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Well, all of these people, they simply make these excuses. But they have been invited to this 
banquet, so to speak. This banquet that in this parable, it represents this feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is sharing this, this parable. And he's saying that, you know, think about this. Consider this story right here about these people who are making up these excuses. How many times do we try to do some of the same things, though? How many times do we read stories in the Bible of people who made up excuses like this on why they could not attend something that God wants them to attend or to do something that God wants them to do? How many times in our own lives has God wanted us to do something, but we find ways of making excuses and trying to get out of them? Well, keep in mind the statement that blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Yeah, they will be blessed. But we see that all these people are invited and they make excuses. Well, how does it go for them? The parable continues. Verses 21 through 24. The servant came back and reported this to his master, reported that all of those excuses. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the lame, sorry, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now he's of course talking about those people who were invited, but they made up all of those excuses. But the ones who are invited and the ones who will taste of this feast, this feast that is, you know, keep in mind, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God from verse 15. This represents this feast in the kingdom of God. It's not going to always be the ones who were invited, but it's the ones who actually came, the, the ones who actually responded to the call of God. Some people can make excuses. Yes, you know, we can make excuses. But then we see that God's grace and God's mercy, it extends to so many of these other people. He invites them in and they came. So who was better off in this parable? That's the lesson that Jesus is sharing with them, that God is inviting us to come. But will we answer that? Now, you know, of course, it's a true statement that blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Yes, that's true. But we must accept God's blessings. We must accept God's invitation. And have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought who cannot be a disciple of God? Well, Jesus actually tells us that, and, and he specifically gives us examples, and he says, this person can't be my disciple, and you know, this other person can't be my disciple. Have you ever thought about those groups that Jesus would include in that? Well, let's take a look at that, and let's read it together. This is at the heart of what I want us to see, the true cost of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Verses 25 through 27 right now. Uh, from Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, when we hear statements like this, notice there's, there's two different groups of people that he's talking about of people who cannot be my disciple. Well, we, we look at this and this first one might throw us for a little bit of a loop. He's talking about hating people? What? I thought it was wrong to hate people. Well, what he's talking about here, whenever you look at this, you know, of course, we have to have wisdom. We have to use our wisdom. We have to see what Jesus is actually talking about. We can see that he's talking about these priorities. You know, where do we put our priorities? 
Would we allow our father or mother or wife or children, brothers or sisters, or even our own life to get in the way of being a disciple? If that's the case, then we cannot be a disciple of Jesus. We have to have this as our uh, top priority about following Jesus in the way uh, that Jesus leads us. Now we also see this statement in verse 27. Another group of people, uh, it says that whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, carrying your cross, it's not some fancy decorative symbol that we might think of today. You know, we, we live in a time whenever, you know, we might see some fancy crosses on people's shirts or maybe a gold cross around someone's necklace uh, or, you know, something like that. We might see all these decorative things. A cross was not a decorative item, not originally. A cross was a type of punishment, a punishment that ended always in death. And it's that cross that, that Jesus was carried to. Well, Jesus carried his cross, I'm sorry. And whenever he, he went to that cross, he died on it. And he died on that cross and he, he's asking his followers to follow the same. Now, this actually was carried out, you know, quite literally in Jesus's day. So, you know, some of some of the people that heard this message, um, yes, they might quite literally have to carry their own cross and follow Jesus t to death. That's what they might actually have to do. Perhaps today we might also have to give up our own lives in a literal sense. But yet, you know, it's not always going to be uh, certainly not uh, always going to be a cross today. But that's what that is calling us to. It's calling us to, to be willing to give up our life to the point of death. That's what that means about carrying their cross and following Jesus. You know, the, the, the way of the cross, we see where it led with Jesus Christ. But we see that's also the, the way that we are called uh, to follow as well. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30 now. Jesus is continuing talking about these same things, and he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, you know, when we look at what he's talking about here, you know, building a tower, or really anything for that matter, um, you got to ask the question, can you finish it? You know, it's one thing to start something. It's another thing to finish it. You know, if you start something, uh, you likely haven't always accomplished very much. It's whenever you're able to actually complete it. It's whenever you're able to finish such a thing. See, starting to be a disciple of Jesus, oftentimes, you know, can be fairly easy for many of us. But what about continuing to be a disciple? That takes a lifetime. And we've got to be people who are willing to sit down and to estimate the, count, the cost. Count the cost before we become a disciple. I still remember many years ago that, that uh, there was a young individual um, who was deciding whether or not they were going to be a disciple of Jesus. And this passage was, uh, was one that, uh, that my friend went to and started talking with this person. And, you know, I remember thinking, okay, you kind of sound like you're almost talking them out of it. But, you know, I talked with him uh, later about that, and he said, I most certainly was not talking them out of being a disciple. I was just trying to get them to count the cost before they became one. And that's what I want us to do. And, you know, perhaps if you have somebody who is actually uh, trying to figure out a, about making that choice, making that decision to be a disciple of Jesus, they need to count the cost and, and to see what it truly could cost them 
uh, in their life, through their life. Starting out to be a disciple of Jesus is one thing, but continuing that, finishing that, that's a whole nother. Takes a lot more time, takes a lot more effort. And it's something that will take the rest of our life, every single one of us. Continuing on the rest of this chapter, Jesus says in Luke 14, verses 31 through 35, he gives another example. He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now he uses this other example, this, this example about war. And, you know, to us, we might not always think about, you know, this being quite, you know, a literal thing that they could encounter. But, you know, keep in mind, this was a time whenever they had uh, several different religious groups that from time to time tried to overthrow the powers that be. Like they had the, the group of the zealots uh, the, among the Jews. And they would oftentimes try to overthrow the Romans because they, they saw themselves, the Jewish nation, as the promised chosen ones of God. And the Romans were oppressing them at that time. And in many ways, yes, they were. And these zealots, you know, what, what Jesus was, was calling them to is, is, is to consider uh, this, uh, what, what's going on right there. You know, and to consider that uh, they would always have to, to calculate these things. So this could be a very real thing that some of these people listening to Jesus uh, have perhaps even been involved with doing before. Is calculating these things, figuring out, okay, do we really have enough, uh, enough power to be able to go against this other group? There were so many attempts that, that uh, didn't end too well. And of course, what happened in the future, though, of course, is that, uh, that, that God delivers his people as he so oftentimes does. But he, he's talking about here that we see that they first sit down and they have to consider whether or not they can do this, whether or not they can accomplish what they're setting out to do. And we see that verse 33, the connection for us. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So I ask you again, are you willing to pay the price? You know, have you considered the cost? What are you willing to pay price-wise in order to follow Jesus? The groups that Jesus brings up about the people who cannot be my disciples, he says, look, you've got to be people who hate your own family, your own life. You've got to be people who are willing to carry your cross. And you've got to be people who are willing to give up everything. Well, yes, some of these things, they, they might need us to, to take a little bit more time to consider and to see well, what does Jesus mean by these things? And what does it look like for us today? And to that, I would repeat how Jesus ends this chapter. And he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's make sure that we, we open up our ears. Let's make sure that we listen to the voice of Jesus. Let's make sure that we count the cost and follow Jesus every day of our lives. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear and obey. Will you do that? Help me, dear Lord, as I journey below. More of thy will.
Yeah. 